Man, what a nice, cool spring weekend for Memorial Day. How about that? We desperately needed the rain out our way. I don't know about you guys. The dust was starting. I, l- I love it when the grass gets brown, though. Anybody with me? Because that means you don't have to mow. I don't know if anybody else feels that way. I mean, I w- I'd love to have a perfect lawn and all that kind of stuff, but it's not going to happen. So it uh, might as well burn, you know, so, <laughs> so we don't have to, have to spend as much time uh, mowing. Or Renee doesn't have to spend as much time uh, mowing it, if, if I'm honest. She loves me so much. She really does. I've got spring allergies and she'll mow. You guys didn't know I was going to talk about mowing. Neither did I. Hey, uh, what I'd like to do before we jump into the message actually is just, uh, just take a second and just mention how, uh, how grateful I know I am and I know uh, many of us are, all of us are, for uh, the armed men and women who have served and uh, more specifically who have uh, given the ultimate sacrifice uh, for, for our country. We enjoy uh, a unique set of, of freedoms here, and so it is Memorial Day weekend, and so I just want to take a, a, a second and, and mention that. Uh, that's, you know, the reason that we celebrate and have a day off and stuff, so uh, very grateful and thankful for that. Anyone who has ever struggled with something in life knows what it's like to wrestle with God. And maybe you haven't think of, thought of it in those terms before when you're struggling with a thing, dealing with tension, uh, but somewhere in there, there is a struggle with or a wrestling with God. Dealing with people, circumstances, faith, and especially our hearts and our minds requires efforts that connect deep within our souls. And when that happens, we are wrestling with, we are in struggle, we are in tension with God in some way. And the Bible is full, like Chip mentioned, the Bible is full of men and women throughout history who have done the same. And so we're going to be looking over the next few weeks at five men and women who have dealt with and who have wrestled with God in their lives. And this morning, uh, we're going to talk about uh, not just a, a metaphorical wrestling, but a physical wrestling as well. I don't know if you've been around wrestling a whole lot. I don't watch wrestling on TV. Any of you are big into, well, that want to admit, no perfect people allowed, right, that want to admit you're into the WWE, or is it WWF, I don't, what is it now? E, okay, EF something, I know there's all kinds of things, or maybe you wrestled in high school or those kinds of things. My favorite wrestling story in my past actually doesn't involve me, is when I got to be a spectator, and it happened in a whole different country. Me and three other friends went to Ghana, which is a country in West Africa, and we spent two months there while we were in college, uh, living with and working with some missionaries that were there. And I don't know if you know this, but when you spend two, mo- t- two months in a foreign country with three other friends, and you're the, really the only people that you know, you, you spend a lot of close, intimate time together. And, and sometimes that's not a good thing. I don't know if you've ever experienced that, you know, familiarity breeds contempt. And so there, there are a couple moments that, that got a little tense for us in our relationship. One I was not involved with, but it was at night. And one of my buddies told the other friend, hey, turn the light off. You know, we're trying to go to sleep. And he said, he said, no. And, and he said, you need to. Or I'm going to come over there and make you. And he said, I'd like to see you try. Something, it went something, something like that. And so in the middle of the night, we're trying to go to sleep. So my buddy gets up. They start, they start wrestling. Remember, there's two others of us. And so we're sitting there. And you know exactly what we're doing, right? Trying to get them to stop. No. Not at all. We're egging them on, like, oh, don't let them do that to you, you know, that kind of stuff. I mean, just, just really, it was hilarious. We enjoyed that. They were going in between, like, playing with each other and being serious. I don't know if you've ever been in that situation before, but, you know, they were like, oh, we're laughing, and it's like, oh, no, now I'm really mad. And uh, they kept going until all of a sudden we heard, crash. So what had happened was, we were in there, and, and one of them ended up through the window that was in the room. 
And, uh, and, and this was interesting for a couple different reasons. One, we're looking at each other and thinking, oh no, what do we do now? Then, you know, there's no, there's no time to like try to cover it up. Not that we would, right? We were, you know, Bible college kids on missionary trip. We wouldn't try to cover something like that up. But it's the security guard who was there up all night uh, where, we, where we were came over and, uh, uh, you know, was trying to figure out what in the world was going on because he was there to make sure nobody broke into the, where we were. I mean, it was fenced in and it was a house. And so he's coming over there and who knows what he was ready to do. And then, you know, the missionaries woken up and we have to deal with all that. Actually, we don't because they were the ones being dumb, <laughs> you know, so we didn't have to deal with it all. So that's my favorite story is watching other people. Maybe, maybe you remember doing that as a kid. My dad called it bipping. We would bip in the, in the floor. We'd wrestle. He'd throw us in the couch and all that kind of stuff. Um, but we wrestle, you know, whether it's physical or not, uh, more, more importantly, we wrestle with things mentally and emotionally in our hearts. Temptations. Maybe we deal with questions, doubts, pain, suffering that we've dealt with. It's a struggle that's exhausting, and sometimes the struggle itself can be painful in our lives. We wrestle with God over things like our identity, our past, our questions, and God's provision. Maybe you've had it out with God asking why. God, why is this happening to me? Or God, how long? How long am I going to have to wait? Maybe you haven't even been sure that God is who you've been wrestling with in those moments. And so as we start this, this series, we're going to look at one of the most obvious places to start in the Bible, if you, know, if you know the story, and it's from Genesis chapter 32, and it's with a guy named Jacob, who not only wrestles with God metaphorically, but wrestles with God physically as well. So Genesis chapter 32, before we get there, there's a little bit of family history and family drama that you need to know about in Jacob's life. Jacob was the younger twin brother to a guy named Esau. And these brothers had their differences and their drama from their life, uh, all, th- all from birth. Even at birth, uh, as Jacob was coming out, his, his name means heel holder or supplanter, because as Esau was being born first, Jacob was holding on to his heel. And so that's why they named him. And, and Jacob would kind of live up to that name throughout the rest of his life. Uh, he had drama with not only his brother Esau, but he had drama with his father Isaac and his father-in-law, uh, which happened to also be his uncle Laban. See, Jacob had plotted to and conned Esau out of his birthright. And so all of the firstborn blessing that Esau was supposed to receive, Jacob conned him out of, out of that. I, he deceived Isaac by dressing up and smelling like Esau so he would bless him because Isaac couldn't see at that time. And so Jacob and Esau, you know, they didn't really have a great relationship. And as a result of that, Esau is actively trying to kill his brother. So Jacob escapes. He leaves and he's gone for a little over 20 years. And during that time, uh, he gets married a couple of times, which, which is not really a good decision um, because both of those women are stay, like he stays married with them and they both happen to be sisters. And his father-in-law tricked him into marrying one of the sisters that he didn't want to marry first. And so this whole thing, like Jacob in his life, I mean, there, there's a lot of tension. There's a lot of stuff that's, that's happening, uh, but he has, he has his marriage. He has a bunch of kids. He becomes wealthy by being, being a shrewd shepherd. And about 20 years after all that's happened, Jacob's become this wealthy guy. He's kind of left his past behind. You know, Esau's back there. He hasn't come and chased him. He's finally married to the woman he wants to be with. God comes to him and he says, hey, it's time for you to go back home. 
All right, so as you can imagine, this means all kinds of things for, for Jacob. And, and on the journey back, his father-in-law comes after him, and Jacob thinks his father-in-law is going to try to kill him because he's leaving with his daughters and with uh, the sheep and, and, and goats that he had gotten uh, very shrewdly, I'll, I'll say. You have to read the, the story on your own sometime later. But his brother Esau is waiting for him, or at least he's there. And so Jacob says, you know, the, the best thing to do is I'll send a messenger to Esau, and that way I'll kind of get a gauge on how Esau is going to react to this. So they start on their journey, sends a messenger, and the messenger goes and tells Esau, hey, your brother Jacob's coming back. He's got, he's got a lot of stuff. He's, got, he's, got, he's married, he's got kids, and he's coming back home. So the messenger comes back to Jacob, and he lets him know, hey, Esau got your message. And Jacob's like, well, how, how did he take it? And he said, well, Esau's coming with 400 men. So as you can imagine, you know, Jacob, this is not the welcome committee that he wants, because when it says that Esau is coming with 400 men, it, basically he's, he's coming with an army. I mean, that, that's what that means, and he's coming to meet Jacob. And so he's freaking out about this, as you can imagine. You can read through Genesis chapter 32. Jacob is praying desperately to God from Genesis chapter 32, 9 through 12, and maybe you've had an experience like this before, you know, not the, dear God, please let me pass this test that I didn't study for, you know, that kind of thing, but dear God, you know, somebody is coming or, you know, this crazy thing is happening in my life, please save me. You know, I'm, I'm going to die if you don't intervene. And so Jacob is praying about this. He divides his people into two groups. He sends his wife and children with this one. He sends a bunch of goats and sheep and, 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 and um, oxen, you know, ahead to Esau as, as gifts to hopefully placate him. Um, and he ends, up, uh, he, he ends up, the night before all of this is happening, is, is he's splitting, splitting people up in Genesis chapter two, 32 and verse 22, sending his two wives, his two female servants, and his 11 sons, and cross the ford of the Jabbok, so the, the river that they were there. He put them across the river, he sent all, all of his possessions, and then he stays on the other side of the river. Maybe for a couple different reasons. One, maybe, uh, hey, if they get attacked first, then I'll, I'll be able to run. Because Jacob was a little questionable in some of, his, some of his ethics, if you know his story. But two is for him to be desperately in prayer alone with, with God. This is, this is the only thing that he can think of to do that will save his life. And so Jacob is freaking out, as you, as you can imagine. He knows his brother wants to, wants to kill him. And so Jacob is spending the night alone, praying, wrestling desperate with God. And then in Genesis chapter 32, verse 24, Jacob was left alone, and some man comes up and starts wrestling with him till daybreak. I don't know, you know, this part of the story gets, gets a little strange. And I don't know how you would react if somebody, you ever thought about that before at night? I, I do. I, I think about this kind of stuff. Maybe it's a guy thing. I don't know. But I think about what I would do if somebody broke into our house in the middle of the night. You guys ever think, think about that? Like what, there, there's some things I have strategically placed in the house and I've thought about. All right, maybe, maybe you don't know what I'm talking about. But, you know, if somebody came up on me and I'm out camping uh, somewhere by myself I don't know how much sleep I'm getting, but they just came out of nowhere, and I'm expecting my brother to come with an army to kill me. You know, Jacob isn't just, oh, okay, this is, this is just this thing that normally happens. No, this is something that would freak him out, and he is fighting for his life. Because he's going to assume at this point that this is an assassin come to kill him. I mean, his life is going to end. So think about being in the most stressful life-altering, changing, possibly losing situation you could ever be in, and this is where Jacob, this is where Jacob is. In one of the darkest moments that he could possibly be in his life. He's wrestling literally for his life. And then we pick up in Genesis chapter 32, 
Because there's not a whole lot of details. Like, I'd, I'd like to know what kind of moves did they use, you know, what, what style was a Greco-Roman, you know, that kind of, which would, this would have been way before that, so how could it be? You know, so I don't, I don't know what their wrestling looked like. But in Genesis chapter 32, verse 25, when the man, this mystery person, saw that he could not overpower Jacob, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. Then the man said, let me go, for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. There's a lot that happens right here because as soon as this, this thing happens where this man is able to simply just touch Jacob on his hip and wrench it out of socket, that Jacob recognizes there, there's something unique happening here. This isn't just one of Esau's men. I mean, this is, just, this is not just an assassination uh, you know, uh, attempt. There, there's something strange happening in this moment. And so, so he realizes that, okay, I, I need to hang on to this moment and see where this, is, where this is going. So Jacob doesn't let this person go, even though they've done this crazy, miraculous, like not Spock, you know, making you go to sleep because he pinches your, your but he just touches his hip, wrenches his out. And so Jacob's like permanently gonna, gonna deal with this for the rest of his life as a result of this, this, uh, this, this interaction. And so the man asked Jacob in verse 27, what is your name? And then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, which means God fights, because you have struggled with God and with humans and have overcome. So this so-called man asked Jacob his name and then gives him a completely different one. And so at this point, Jacob's like, all right, I, this is not just any normal human being that I've been here with. This is, this is something different. This is something that God is, is doing. In fact, this man says, you've wrestled with God and with humans, and now I'm going to do something completely different in his life. And so Jacob says, All right, I know something different is going on, but I, I want some more details, so please tell me your name. But he, this man replies, why do you ask my name? And then he blessed him there. And so Jacob called the place Peniel, saying, it is because I saw God face to face, yet my life was spared. So essentially, when, when we're looking, you know, talking about a sermon series called Wrestling God with God, it makes sense to start with Jacob because Jacob actually metaphorically and physically wrestles with God in the situation. And Jacob went away limping from this experience, but he had never felt more alive as a result of it because he had known it was with God. And there are several appearances, several times called theophanies, uh, where God appears within the story in the Old Testament. Not just an angel, not just a messenger that he sends, but God actually appears. And, 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 and this is also a way in which some people think, hey, maybe this, was, maybe this was Jesus, you know, pre-incarnate Jesus who shows up in the story. He's there from the beginning. And so he's there with, with Jacob, working through all the purposes of God that, that he has for his life. Because this name Israel, you know, he becomes the father through as the grandson of Abraham of the Israelite nation. His 12 sons become the 12 tribes of Israel from this point forward. And, and you know that if you wrestle with God, you're going to lose. Obviously, God could have obliterated Jacob. So it's not just like, you know, Jacob was this unique person that could beat God. And that's, that's how he, you know, was successful from that point on. Look at his hip. But this was about teaching Jacob some lessons about how we wrestle with God and how we can put those into practice in, in, our, in our own lives, all right? So let me give you what, uh, what some of those lessons are this morning. The first is this, is that God wants to bless you. 
And, and honestly, to, there, there's so much baggage that comes with saying that phrase that sometimes I don't even like saying it that way because when we think of blessing, a lot of times we think about those in materialistic ways or in selfish ways in terms of our wants. You know, it's like, well, God wants to bless me, you know, but I don't, I don't have the car, you know, in the driveway. I don't have the bank account or I don't have the, you know, I don't have the, you know, the person that I want or whatever the thing might be, you know, that we think that we need to feel blessed in our life. And so I, I don't know, does God actually want to bless me? It's, it's interesting because God could have simply spoken to Jacob in a dream or a vision like he had previously, previously done to reiterate his promise, but he does something different. He goes through this wrestling match with Jacob. And so why is this? Jacob wanted comfort. He wanted peace. He was going to lose his life. So God, just give me that, right? Why are you going to take me through this wrestling match? Just give me the thing that I want, and then I will feel blessed. I'll be able to go, uh, go through. What he got instead of peace and protection was a high heart rate and a broke hip. You know, I mean, come on. God, is this really what you want to do to, to bless me? But later he realizes that he actually gets the things that he needs. God wants to bless us, but it doesn't mean that it's health and wealth that God wants to give us, because there are things that are actually more important than those. And hear, hear me when I say there, there are actually things that are more important than those things. Don't get me wrong. Those can be really important things in, in our life, absolutely. And so it's not, nothing to, you know, to set aside or sneeze at, but, um, but it means uh, blessing doesn't mean to make us rich. It means for us to be happy and fortunate. And those things are even more important than health and wealth. It's about bestowing our, our, our favor on somebody. And this is what God wanted to do in Jacob's life. It's what he wants to do in our life. It's much deeper than what we normally think. Remember, Jesus says things like, blessed are the poor in spirit, those who mourn, those who meek, are meek, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, the merciful, the pure in heart, peacemakers, those who are persecuted because of righteousness, those, those people are blessed because in those moments they're reminded that they have the favor of God in their lives. God's blessing aligns us with God. It gives us peace and joy knowing that whatever we're going through in the moment is totally taken care of in eternity. You may not know it or you may not feel it, but God wants to bless you in your life. And the struggle or the tension that we go through so often is us being tempted to put aside God's wisdom for the path that he wants to place us on versus the path that we want to take ourselves on. Because we don't have the forward-looking vision that God does, God does of where that path might take us. God sees more clearly and he can see beyond our hang-ups. And that's why not only does he want to bless us, but God wants to move us beyond our past. When Jacob thought he was going to pour his heart out to God on the other side of the river alone, he got this wrestling match. And part of the, what happens as a result of that is God completely changes or, or helps Jacob to see who he had always created him to be. When God asked Jacob his name, he was, you know, it wasn't just his name that Jacob was talking about. It was also who he was. And, and what was said about it. his brother Esau said, yeah, Jacob's definitely le lived up to his name. You know, he conned me out of my uh, supplanter. You know, he, he, uh, he conned me out of my birthright. He's, he's not even supposed to be in this position that, that Jacob, you know, he's, he's that shrewd, shrewd guy who's always looking, looking for, the, for the angle, you know, on, on somebody else. And, and God changes that. He wasn't just, you know, J Jacob wasn't just saying his name. He's also confessing part of his identity. And before God would bless Jacob, he had to acknowledge that before him, who he was and everything that came with it, the baggage that was there. 
And so God changed all of that. The wrongs that Jacob did, you know, the direction that he was going in his life, the things that he was afraid of, that he was wrestling with, God changed all of that in his life. He changed his identity as he wrestled with him. He'd no longer be just known as the guy who conned his brother out of a birthright, but he'd be known as the father of an entire nation who was called to follow God. Even though God's promise had always been with Jacob, I'm sure there were years or decades, decades that went by where he wasn't feeling it. And yet God chose this pivotal wrestling match in his life where he got a reminder daily right there on his hip that God's blessing and his promises would be fulfilled in his life. I'm sure Jacob was terrified. I'm sure he was exhausted. I'm sure he didn't have time for it. But he had no other option to wrestle with God in that moment. And sometimes we feel that same, that, that same way. We don't have any time for this. No, we need a solution right now. God, you, we need you to do something in our life. We need to give you what we want right now uh, because we don't see a path forward. And yet God wants us to be there in the moment with him because he's always ready to provide something more down the road. God was helping Jacob to move, past his, uh, move beyond his past, beyond his identity, beyond his name, to move forward into the future. And he wants to do the same with us is that what identifies us is not our past, is not who we think we are, but it's who God thinks we are, who God has called us to be. We've all been labeled, we've been ID'd by our spouse, by our parents, by our teachers, by our friends, uh, by ourselves, and God isn't, isn't interested in those labels that we give ourselves or that we're given by other people. He's interested in who he calls us to be. And it may take a wrestling match, it may take a struggle for us in those moments, but God wants to help us to move beyond our past. And as we do that, as we move through that struggle, the key thing that we have to remember is to not let go of him. Because there are going to be moments where it's tough. It's going to be moments where it's painful for us to move beyond following the world or following ourselves and following God. God will meet us in our fear, in our pain, in our past and uncertainty. He may not meet us in the way that we expect or desire, but he still shows up. And he wants us to hang on to him through those moments. Sometimes, you know, when everybody else is pulling you a different direction and God is pulling you into the other, it can look like God is the one who's the adversary, right? God, you're pulling me this way, and it's painful because everybody else is pulling me, pulling me that way. But God is the one who, who is actually the one who is being our friend and who's loving us in those, those moments. We don't need soft words of comfort. We don't just need to be left alone with our thoughts. We don't just need more sleep. We don't even just need a healthy hip. What we need is God in our lives. What we need is God's blessing. And so when God calls us to wrestle with him, when we do that in prayer, when we're crying out in desperation to him, I mean, that's a moment in which he is transforming us to receive his blessing. When we wrestle with ourselves and only ourselves, when we just go through this internal process of only you know, thinking about our own thoughts, our own desires, we build our identity on the shifting target of our emotions, and it's always going to be centered around our temptations. But when we wrestle with God through those things, he builds our identity on who he has empowered us to be. As he guides us through the Holy Spirit, as Jesus transforms us through his death, burial, and resurrection that he calls us into. And that is centered around our, our redemption. And so the key thing for us to remember when we're in those moments of wrestling is to not give up. It's so easy. It's so easy to give up in those moments, to not struggle through, but don't let go until you see how God is blessing you on the other side. He loves to bless that kind of tenacious faith, and you will come out 
transformed. Genesis chapter 32, verse 31, the sun rose above Jacob as he passed Peniel, and he was limping because of his hip. I mean, Jacob's limp, you know, you could look at that and think, oh man, that doesn't, that doesn't get him ready for a fight with Esau, right? I mean, what if, what if Esau challenges him to single combat, right? That's what happens in the movies, you know, and, and you, you got to fight. Well, J- Jacob's not in any, any position at all to physically fight against Esau. But what he didn't know is that God has already prepared Esau to welcome Jacob with open arms. And that's what happens as you continue to read, read the story. So Jacob didn't need to prepare for a physical battle. What he needed to be prepared for was the spiritual battle, the spiritual wrestling that he was doing with God and what God had for him later on in his life so that he was continually prepared to be reminded that God fulfills his promises. The limp was a reminder of his experience, his blessing, his changed identity, his moving beyond his past. He would have never asked for this limp. Nobody, nobody ever would, right? But it was part of his story and God working in his life and a constant reminder of that truth. And so my encouragement as we move into this series and as we, we look at some of the things to take away from Jacob's, Jacob's life, if you're wrestling with something, you recognize something that you've struggled with in the past or that you know that there's going to be something that comes in the future, because there will, don't be too quick to let go of God in those moments. Because sometimes it's going to feel painful at that time, uh, but at some point down the road, that is going to transform into an important reminder in your spiritual walk, your faith journey, that, that God is there, that he is with you, and that he always fulfills his promises. Don't be too quick to let go of God when you are wrestling with the presence of his promises in your life. He might not be as far off as you think. Let's pray. God, um, because this world is broken by sin, we will, we will struggle. There will be moments that we, um, that we don't feel like we're, we're winning that battle. And God, we ask that you help us to see how you are moving and working in those moments, that you guide us with the Holy Spirit to see how you are working to bring us on the other side of that, that that we don't just contend with ourselves and the situation that we're in, but that we turn to you and contend with you, that we seek out and search out what your promises are, how you are redeeming us, the resurrection that you call us into as as a disciple of Jesus, that when we decide to say yes to you, that we're following you, that as you wash our sins away and, be, and that we become a new creation, that we see that it might be a struggle to leave some of those things in the past behind, but that you've got a, such a much brighter and eternal future uh, laid out before us as a result. God, we ask that you give us the courage and the strength that we need uh, to wrestle with who you have called us to be and what you have called us to do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.